You know what the worst part about being born over a hundred years ago is? I miss all the friends I used to hang out with. Before the war started, I used to always visit my friend Kuzan. The two of us, we get in and out of so much trouble together. He was one of the best friends I ever had. And he was from the Fire Nation, just like you. If we knew each other back then, do you think we could have been friends too? Welcome once again to Bitter Jurors. We are a queer Avatar The Last Airbender podcast currently, um, and probably for the foreseeable future, given Survivor's current uh, production cycle, or lack thereof. Um, as always, or I'm Derek Reining, and I'm joined by my co-host who can hit a fly uh, without killing it from 100 yards away. It's Sam Stanish. Oh, okay, I just got a letter from a hawk. Um, it, it looks like I've been upgraded to the sole host of the Bitter Jurors podcast. Um, so Derek, you can just get out. Oh, damn it. Does this, do I have to shave off my, um, luscious mutton chops, which are all the rage in the Fire Nation? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's more of a sign of respect. And now that you don't have a podcast, well, actually maybe you should grow your mutton chops larger now that you don't have a podcast if we're if it's a sign of respect. Yeah, interesting. I will have to <laughs> do a deep dive into the facial hair um culture of the Fire Nation. I hope they don't have any of those uh dumbasses who'd like curl their mustaches and look horrible. We'll like be we on do. hipster watch for the rest of the series. Right. Um but uh I would be remiss to not also introduce uh our guests for this week given or just because that would be weird and awkward to not introduce someone. Uh, but it's a uh, podcaster and Bitterger's alum, Leah Brillman. Hello. Um, at first, when you said uh, that for the foreseeable future, you are currently a queer avatar podcast for the foreseeable future. I was like, oh, are they not going to be queer in the future? <laughs> Used to be, bi- <laughs> but now we're just hetero. Yeah, yes. exactly. Um yeah, that would be weird if I was just sitting here on the podcast, not allowed to talk, but I just had to watch you guys talk mm-hmm. about Avatar. But I am thrilled to be here. I would love nothing more than to break down Fire Nation facial hair because the two most attractive features in a person to me are facial hair and firebending. Mm, I, I feel that, yeah. All the hottest characters are firebenders. Sorry. That's so true. It also helps that they tend to be very shirtless for whatever reason. Yeah. I mean, even the women, a lot of the times you can see most of their bellies. Yeah, good for them. I love that. Really good for them. (laughs) I mean, wouldn't you want to be like, you would like know you're the sexiest people on the planet? As Fire Nation members, they know that they are the hottest people in the world. Uh, Yeah. I mean, hot man. Yes. Uh, I mean, they even call themselves the superior element in this episode. And what an episode it was that we're here to talk about. The Blue Spirit, um, always been one of my favorites. So glad that Lita asked to be on this episode of the podcast. Uh, it, it is, it, it's excellent in my mind, and even in rewatching it, not just in my mind. <laughs> Outside yeah. of your mind, yes. <laughs> yeah. I had requested this episode because when I looked through it, there's no season one episodes that I'm particularly attached to in the way that I am with seasons two and three, where like, Uh, an episode immediately jumps out to me as my favorite. But when I was looking through them, this has, first of all, the biggest gay energy of Zuko and Aang, which is great. Um, And it also just kind of um, sets up this like, okay, maybe Zuko isn't the biggest villain of the series. Maybe he is sort of a wrinkle along the way because when Zhao gets introduced, then suddenly enemy of my enemy is my friend. Um, And so we get the first bit of foreshadowing into like Zuko's future a little bit and more into his humanity. And I am a big Zuko stan. um, So this is my favorite episode for him until he cuts his hair off. Mm. Totally agree. More on Zuko's future in the spoiler section of the show. Uh, we will talk more about the the episodes past this one uh, at a, at a later time in the pod. I completely agree. This it's it's why I love this episode too. Um, mm. Zuko, it's show, I mean we we know that Zuko is all about capturing Aang, but this one really shows that like he is much more loyal to his own 
honor than the like the Fire Nation as a whole. Uh, and the, a bunch of episodes in the past couple in the little in the run here have shown us like his like where his morals lie and what he's willing to do and what he's not willing to do according like to finding or to follow orders and like we really are getting a good sense of like where he is coming from in like and what his actual goals are he's not just evil guy he has his own motivations yes i agree and it's a great continuation from last episode which was like all about like humanizing zuko and Aang. and yeah so it makes sense that this would be kind of like where that ship begins to set sail i'm sure for a lot of people we that keep talking big metal ship that is hopefully interested in the game of pie show mm, yeah <laughs> yes um yeah i love how just uh completely unbothered iroh is at all times you know just yeah maybe these people are here to play pie show not like physically harm us which or is what i would hear, be worried about. or to hear lieutenant lieutenant g's stirring love song mm-hmm heard he's good on the sungi horn <laughs> is Admiral Zhao's only move to cause a blockade? Because he did that in the in, in an earlier episode too, and that's really the only thing we've really seen him do so far. Right. I mean, he did pull off that power move of, like we said, getting that messenger hawk at the instant he needed, like a stinger for this <laughs> conversation he was having. Yeah. If I lived in this universe, I would just constantly have like a hawk ready to go, so I could just real quick like attach a letter to it, so I can be like, "Oh, look, the Fire Nation!" Like he doesn't even yeah. show it to the other guy. Just like, <laughs> pulls no, it I from just a, got a letter. Um. Yeah. Pulls no, the other guy. The hawk other hawk guy hawk. reads it. Oh, he first. does. It's like okay. To him, yeah. Um, but so, but uh, yeah. I mean, what a opportune moment. I mean, but it has to be one of the most badass moments of his career to this point where he's like, I mean, saying that request is now a command or whatever he says is just a cool line. And, you know, if you say that in a meeting at work, like that just seems cool. Right. Holy shit. I can't even imagine what that's like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, you pulled it on me earlier this episode. How did it feel? You know, <laughs> that power in that moment. I mean, I don't think that I I mean, I have a lot of. um imposter syndrome so i didn't really feel like i deserved it or earned it and i felt like we were we would be better as a team and maybe even you deserve it more than me (laughs) wow i love that thank you that's all i ever wanted to hear (laughs) what was he before he was a commander Commander. yeah and now he's admiral shao which i i know we've i'm sure sam or i or both of us have slipped up before while recording calling him that because it just fits more i think you know i i think of him first and foremost as admiral shao so when i saw this i was like oh lucky us this episode is the birth of admiral shao it is yes um i love that his like this this yeah as early as i'm sorry no, uh, go ahead, Sam. Sorry, I, I got, I got, um, there, I got slid down or whatever. As early as the first episode he was introduced, I couldn't stop saying Admiral Zhao, even though they had said Commander <laughs> throughout the episode, and even before the podcast started recording, I was like Commander, 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 Commander. And then as soon as it like <laughs> happened, I was like Admiral. And everybody Zhao. was like, "Wow, spoiler!" Yeah, <laughs> um, you. Do you guys have you guys talked about uh, who voices Admiral Zhao? Uh, I believe I brought it up uh, early on uh, that it's Jason Isaacs who plays yeah. uh, Lucius Malfoy. Um, and his, his American accent is iconic. Um, but this guy, um, he's he always plays evil characters. But Jason Isaac actually is uh, very woke in real life. Oh, I big, love that. Uh, yeah. Nice. He would not um, be chasing down a 12-year-old in real life. Is what you're saying? No, probably not. Probably not beating house elves. But he always plays these like uh, these racists. Not the main <laughs> racist leader, but like the one of the high up henchmen of the racist. <laughs> yeah. The right hand racist. Doesn't Sam Rockwell always play racists? Did I make that up? Yes. Yes. Was he three, racist three in billboards? Mm, was he racist in Moon? That one movie. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I don't oh, remember if he is racist most to himself. famous project, Moon. Isn't that starring Kevin Spacey? No, no, he's the only person in it. Yeah, it's him and a clone, question mark, and a Wait, happy Kevin, robot. Kevin Spacey is definitely in a movie about space, because I was like, haha, space. But it was before he was canceled. Okay, yeah. whatever. I thought it was Moon. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I was just thinking about how Kevin Spacey and now Ansel Elgort are canceled, so now we just can't watch Baby Driver anymore, which is sad. More like cancel Elgort. I was going to say it too, but then I was going to say, oh no, I can't watch Baby Driver anymore. 
No. Me, but unironically. Yeah, me, but unironically. I know you guys love it. But this is going to be one of those things where, like, I get to be like, yeah, I'm not going to watch Baby Driver anymore because, like, you know, it's, it's like, not politically correct um, and get credit for it, even though I've never watched it in the first place. (laughs) Yeah, you're really, yeah, you're really uh, uh, depriving yourself of great joy in your life. And taking one for the team. Thank you for your service. Oh, my God, you're welcome. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, uh, but uh, I like in this like little detail in this scene where uh, Admiral Zhao is born, where it's like the uh, the other guy, was he a commander? I don't know what rank he was. I don't understand ranking. Senior archer supervisor. Yes. (laughs) Assistant to the senior archer (laughs) advisor. Um, but I like that he's like, um, very, uh, I don't know what word to use. He's like treating the chase for the avatar as like a wild goose chase, which is an interesting idea that, uh, Admiral Zhao and like we, the viewers take this so seriously because we know Aang is the avatar and he's out there. Um, but everyone else seems to like still be dubious that he even exists. Um, so I like that little detail of continuity. Because even yeah. the people on the like path were like, there's no way the avatar is here or whatever when they see the propaganda but then he runs right past. yeah and then when he runs past the horn that they blow is literally the survivor horn survivor horn i also wrote down survivor horn with the exclamation point uh yeah i mean that has to be a moment built in for this podcast specifically they must be listening and know that we would be happy about that yes, yes. Our ears perked up. We expected to transition from the Drake tribe to the Morgan tribe in that moment, but we didn't. <laughs> um, yeah, and I also feel like this was like a good the the mutton chop confrontation is a good scene to have because we were talking about Zuko's motivation. But when he says to Zhao, uh, "Your search for the Avatar is nothing but a vanity project," like that's very apt. Like Zhao is clearly just looking for power. Like I'm sure he has an allegiance to the fire nation, maybe in a way that Zuko doesn't. Um, Mm -hmm. but he's ultimately looking to advance his career. And this is like a big way. And we hear that later in the episode when he's like, here's my speech that I'm going to give to the fire nation about how great I am. Um, so I think it's appropriate to hear other members of the fire nation, what they think about this. I think, yeah. I think also maybe it's not so super clear in this episode, but I don't, I do think that part of his desire to capture the avatar also comes from spiting Zuko just because he knows that it's like the one thing that could ever help Zuko regain his trust with the fire Lord. But then he like, it's, he's doing it both for his career, but then also because he hates the 17 year old. <laughs> yeah. Pure right. unadulterated <laughs> hatred for children. Yeah. Yeah. For real. That's a Lucius Malfoy thing. And a me thing, I relate. (laughs) Chasing a 12-year-old to spite a 16-year-old. Yeah, sounds about (laughs) right. (laughs) Yeah, I just need one of these characters to just look at Zhao and be like, you're pushing 40. Like... He's very like the what's her name Tati that uh, person from the beauty community. Her like having beef with like James Charles and stuff. <laughs> That's Admiral Zhao. I, I'm Team Tati. <laughs> yeah, she gives us great reaction videos. I so think I think mind. we should go after the young gays. <laughs> so anti Zuko. I never would expe- <laughs> have expected this from you. <laughs> well, listen, Ang is 112 actually, so I don't feel bad for him. That's true. Yeah, I also, yeah, we see this later in the episode, but it's funny that everyone seems to be like, I don't know how you managed to, like, avoid capture for 100 years, like, implying that they think this 12-year-old boy has been out and about for 112 years. I noted that, too, where it's like, you can clearly see that he's not 100. And I know that, (laughs) so obviously the Avatar hasn't been around for 100 years, but there's in none of the lore, it never says that there's a de-aging power of the Avatar. I don't know why he would appear to be a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, you didn't know there's a Benjamin Button clause in the Avatar, um, like, I don't know, uh, itinerary or whatever. <laughs> the Avatar itinerary. I don't know. I just got to orientation. Here's yes. my itinerary. I've mastered firebending, waterbending, airbending, earthbending, and now I'm just trying to age backwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's how you know you've made it. Um, yeah, that's the fully form of the Avatar state. It's true. Um, but to talk about, I guess the, we are introduced to, I would call it, I guess the C plot of this episode, which is, uh, <laughs> Sokka and Katara are sick, which felt, you know, very real, uh, given our yeah. current world circumstances. Has anyone ever tried sucking on frozen frogs for COVID? I, I certainly haven't tried that. 
What, 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 didn't someone eat an animal and that led us to this disease? A bat, I, yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I, I mean, if someone else wants to try eating a frog for this, we could, I was, so I would be willing to let someone else do it, but I don't know if I would be daring enough to be patient zero for that trial run. It could be a hair of patient the, zero. <laughs> it's like a hair of the dog situation, you know, we have hair to try of, hair of the frog. Yes. We tried, yeah, sucking on a bat, a frozen bat for whatever reason. Um yeah, but I all speaking of continuity earlier, I liked that there was this continuity from the previous episode, which is Sokka's sick because he was out in that storm in the last episode. Uh which is nice. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like they're saying that Sokka is being like so delusional, nothing he's saying is making sense. I feel like I've heard Sam say my favorite thing about Appa is his sense of humor. Mm-hmm. That does sound like me. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's, yeah, he has great comedic timing. I think those grunts and groans and the like flopping around, those are always timed perfectly. I I vividly remember commending his physical comedy work (laughs) in an earlier episode of this podcast. So that, yeah, that, that tracks. Right. Um, I also like that Sokka uh, introduces a fan theory in this episode where he like says something about like thinking he's an earthbender. And I remember vividly as a wee fan, uh, people always speculating, like, when is Sokka beco- going to become a bender? Do you guys remember this at all from <laughs> being? A f- no, I'm getting. I mean, that, I wasn't present in the in those circles. I just no. always picture I just always knew Sokka was, you know, a non-bender. And that was sort of his his lot in life. Right. Uh, um, well, as, as we've established on this pod, I didn't have friends, uh, or sex, <laughs> uh, while watching this show. So I was among those. Yeah. On those forums, seeing people like speculate is Sokka going to become an earthbender because, you know, when you're a child, you just imagine like everyone has to have special powers for whatever reason. It is it is the most exciting thing about any piece of media watching someone learn a new power get a new power. It, like there there's yeah. truly nothing better in any anything. It's true. That's what we all said when that happened in Heroes uh, <laughs> to that one guy. Okay, well, it is exciting. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah. I have a speaking of fan theories. Um, first of all, I love the herbal lesbian. She's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, I think she is. I think she's boomy and drag. <laughs> oh yeah, I could see that. They and have I, their vibes. Yeah, and her her cat is uh, just flopsy under some sort of enchantment. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I hold fast to my theory. It's confirmed that Boomy is a gay man. So I can't really think of very many gay men whose drag characters are lesbians. But Boomy <laughs> has once again in, like created and reshaped the field in ways that no one could ever hope to in the past. Right. I believe Katya's um, tagline is that she's a bisexual Russian uh, hooker. Or yes. I believe is the exact term she uses. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Boomy so we're just taking that one step further. Yes, of gay herbalist who lives on a mountain with a cat. Yeah. Miyuki. Yes, Miyuki. That's that's what's stuck in my head my entire life. Uh, We blew past, but in the first scene, we get a... uh, With the first scene with Zhao and his friend, we get a hint of the name of this episode. We see the blue spirit mask, like, hiding in the shadows in the fortress. Um, And, I mean, what's cooler than this? The blue spirit. He is... It's the coolest thing. Right. Who? I mean, I love the idea of like this covert spy character running around with like an opera mask is essentially what that mask is. Yeah, yeah this this would have been a great Halloween costume when I was living in Michigan, because you're always trying to think of one that's like creative, but also really warm. So mm. I feel like if I could have gotten that my hands on a blue spirit mask or like painted it on my face or something, you can just wear a long sleeve black shirt and leggings. That's actually yeah. an incredible idea. I can't wait to use that for uh, for Halloween 2021 because there's not going to be a Halloween this year. Well, there's still a Halloween. You are allowed to dress up and take photos and then go to bed. That's true. So how I'm is already- that like any other day? How is that not like any other day? <laughs> exactly. I After seeing Batman and Robin, I've already decided I'm being Uma Thurman from that movie as Poison Ivy. Mm-hmm. And I don't care if I have nowhere to go. I will be sitting on my couch watching that movie in that costume. I love that. And then you have an excuse to just reuse it the next year because, like, no one in real life saw it, so it doesn't count. Yeah, no one in real life. Just all the people that I know in real life saw it on the Internet. Right. But uh, whatever. (laughs) 
Um, we also get some fun Momo vision in this episode where we find out that everyone just speaks in Momo. <laughs> like, did, did everyone sound like that before he was named Momo or did it become what he hears people say after he was named Momo? <laughs> we, we need an animal psychologist. Right. Yeah. I mean, how can I be sure that the blue that I see is the same that the blue Momo sees? It's true. Yeah, interesting. Although we see he only sees in green because that's how eyes work. I see everything in like a shade of brown because I have brown eyes. <laughs> yeah, everything to me is just like very beautiful and like this just yeah. really clear blue. Crystalline. Um, yes. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I do like that we also get... Um, if you are a young child, you maybe uh, won't catch on that Zuko is the blue spirit very quickly. But I do like that we get in this episode, like before uh, we see like Zuko be the blue spirit, we get this like motivation for why he would choose to be it, which is in this moment he um, at the ship when he's pulled over by the second blockade um, that he's about to lose his honor and everything he's worked for. So, um, yeah, we get those little seeds for why he would be doing what he's doing. Yeah, I thought this was Zhao's resources. He's mm -hmm. sure to capture the avatar. I thought this was a really great, um, like, line and just sort of conversation with Zuko and his uncle. He's he says like, "My throne, my people, my country. I'm about to lose them all, or something." And I was just like, "Yeah, man, like that sucks." (laughs) (laughs) That does suck. But it's an interesting detail that he's like speaking in those terms, like he's about to lose his throne in his country. Um, but like a lot of this episode, there's this like undertone of Zuko kind of questioning like his loyalty to his country. Like we even like his last shot is him like staring at the Fire Nation flag and like presumably thinking like, what does it really mean to him? Um, yeah, as he turns away from it and doesn't want to look at it anymore. Right. Yeah, it's a nice little uh, detail. I remember um, not knowing who the blue spirit was when I was a child. Me <laughs> I either. was gagged face crack of the millennium. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't know who I thought it was, maybe like Suki or something like somebody that we haven't seen in a little bit. Um, but I did not think it was Zuko. Right. Well, he does a great job of like not using firebending and like he has like a bucket of water he even uses like when presumably he could just like brush that aside as a firebender just to like maintain his anonymity. Yeah. And we see that Zuko is a very determined warrior, even outside of firebending. He's clearly done a lot of training in like swords and all of that. Also he and Aang pull off the most Mario party ass escape with the stilts, <laughs> like the big bamboo things. Uh, it's, so they really it's, get creative. it's very reminiscent of that, of several survivor challenges. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like I'm thinking, especially of the Micronesia. I mean, I'm not going to get into specifics on an avatar podcast, but I think we could all think of survivor challenges that that was like, yeah, mm-hmm. the stilts challenge in Marquesas. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> yeah, I agree. The kite building. <laughs> when are they going to build a kite in Avatar? Um, or make but, popcorn. Uh, right. Uh, to bring it back to Mario Party, though, I wonder if they had to, like, mash buttons, like, like a quick time event, just to get that timing down, you know? Up A, down A, up B, down B. <laughs> yeah. Or, like, Quop, that game. Mm, oh, yeah. God. <laughs> wow. I would have died without ever thinking about Quop again. Right. Speaking of things you would do on a school computer as a child, <laughs> like Quop. You were on the Avatar forums on your school computer? Yeah. I Well, I guess to set up, like, I both of my parents were teachers, so I'd spend a lot of my time, like, being early to school because my parents would want to be at their job early. And so I would just be on the school computer for, like, an hour before school. That explains, I think, a lot about me. About you, Yeah. Wow. <laughs> just that you had an extra hour of computer time than every other person. Yeah. <laughs> School computer time. So you School could not. computer time. Yeah. But mixed with not having it at home, right? Like, yeah, I didn't have internet until I was 14, I want to say. So like fully in high school. Well, t- yeah, I lived literally in the middle of nowhere. So it's not like we really could have good internet. And even when we did get internet, it's like you had one day of good internet where you could, if you were me, watch episodes of uh, Pokemon anime. <laughs> Um, and then it would be done for the rest of the week. It was not usable. I mean, I know this is a visual, is not a visual medium, but the look on Lita's face when you said you didn't have it until you were fourteen, you you like she like looked like she aged like fifteen years I, I, ago and like, came back. Really, <laughs> I, I, I know so many people who didn't have like TV. Right. Um, I have never heard of somebody like I, I don't know anybody 
else that did not have internet until high school. Right. Interesting. Well, it's, oh. Yeah. We had cable for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, no, for whatever reason, we just did not have internet. I assume by that you both were, <laughs> had internet right at your fingertips. Yeah. <laughs> I was like fully on social media in middle school. That's crazy to me. No, yeah, I had to uh, play that one pinball game <laughs> that comes on Windows. <laughs> I miss that. I'm a Mac person my entire life, so I haven't had that since I was on school computers when I was young. Wow. I didn't have my, it's not like I had my own computer until I was like high school or anything like that. But no, we definitely had, I don't even know like how much I would have been able to do my homework in middle and high school without internet. Whoa, really? Interesting. How do you check your French? (laughs) French. We had one, (laughs) we had Spanish as our sole language option in high school. You couldn't take a foreign language class in middle school for sure. Wow. Lo siento. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Welcome to rural Illinois public school. Bienvenue. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Thank yes. you so much. Yeah, so welcome. welcome to the largest. I think it's our high school was the, is the largest high school in Illinois to not have football. Yeah. Oh, Derek's fan base was it. Derek's fan base was built in the computer room at his middle school. So that's why we record every episode in his middle school's computer room. Mm-hmm. We're true. here right now. And Sam and I also alumni of a school that did not have a football team, but we were probably conversely the smallest school to also not have a football team. Oh, um, I love that. So see common <laughs> ground right there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, just to close the loop on this one, I had my, I had a computer in my room starting when I was like 12. Whoa, that's insane! I we had the computer for our yeah, household. That was how our that's how our was until then. Interesting. I, yeah, I didn't have a personal computer. I got a laptop when I was in high school, but we just had like the computer, like the computer room, um, right. where I would just sit on like our giant Mac desktop and play like you know Bubble Shooter. Nice. Yeah, while while my brother watched TV. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I didn't. Pay I got my picture. Yes, I got my sister's hand-me-down laptop in college. <laughs> That's. <laughs> Ta- oh wait, this is a great segue. Segue alert, everyone. Uh, the, uh, Laura, the we're talking about our childhood. How did you get into Avatar in the first? Oh place? yeah, we haven't even established that. Yeah. Um. I don't really know. I just feel like it was one of those things where it was like, I was in the era where whatever was whatever Nicktoon was on, like I was watching. It wasn't like, even when I was a little bit older, like this came out probably when I was like in fourth grade, maybe fifth grade. Um, My brother and I watched the first episode just because we like saw a commercial for it or something. And no one else at school had watched it or was like talking about it. Um, And then once, kind of maybe season two rolled around, it started to become like a little bit more popular, but I feel like I never, I don't ever remember like talking about avatar with my friends. I feel like, um, it was something that like had a second wave for me when like Tumblr came around or whatever. Um, and then I knew that when I became friends with Sam a few years later, that was like a cornerstone of our friendship that we were like both really, really into Avatar. Um, so I probably rewatched it a few times in my life at different points when it like became salient again. Um, but I don't really remember like sitting down and being like, it's the premiere of Avatar. It was just something that my brother and I were like, oh, this is on, this is fine. Um, before I got selective about like, oh, I don't like this cartoon that's on. It's just sort of like, it is on, so we are watching it. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, my, like, we had, like, I feel like I had a, my, like, group of friends in grade school. That's all, this is all we would talk about once it started, I feel like, to the point of, like, um, dodgeball and it, during recess became, like, throwing fireballs at each other instead. Yeah, I I don't have any memory of anybody in my class watching it with us. I remember it was it had like pretty poor ratings for a Nicktoon in the first season. Um, I remember like seeing that. And so it doesn't surprise me that like not everybody was watching it. But I don't know what everybody was watching. I guess this was like still an era where people were watching like Disney Channel shows or something. Right. 
Yeah, um, I feel like it was probably releasing new episodes on like all these shows came out on Fridays, which is tough because there it's like Cartoon Network, Nick, and Disney all releasing new episodes of those shows on the same day with only like a two hour time slot, so it can be hard to mix and match and get everyone on every single thing. I feel like I had a lot of people to talk to about it when I when the show first came out, and then between season one and season two, I switched schools and I felt like no to the school lore and I went to, and I feel like right. no one watched it there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So what we're saying is we're calling out Winchester for yeah. having no avatar fans. Shameful. <laughs> they, I just, I just, they better not put out on their Instagram that they support people who watch avatar the last airbender <laughs> because I have they a couple of comments lying. to write. <laughs> yes. Hello. <laughs> wow. That's uh, upsetting that, to hear that. That was the environment. Literally uh, in middle school, one of my friends uh, printed out spoilers for a future episode that came out because they showed the episodes at like Comic-Con. And we all were at our lunch table, read the spoilers together. <laughs> were you gagged? We were. Shook. Um, yeah, all the all those good adjectives. So, yeah, to conclude, we were co- really cool in middle school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> right. I think that the action in this episode is just beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think that it is every single time a fight breaks out. And there are a lot of like a lot of the, there's a lot of episodes of Avatar that are like primarily talking and sort of like conversing with one another. But in this one, there's like, I don't know, like chase sequences, fights, people get captured and then they escape and they like do like what we were talking about on the stilts. And then even at the end and like the emotional moment between Aang and Zuko, Zuko still like tries to fire blast them. But I just think that everything they tried to do in this episode with um, every fight was just excellently done. Yeah. Right. And like, obviously this is kind of like the big moment of the episode when Aang is saying like, uh, do you think that you and I would have been friends getting at that? These are kids. Like that's a question that like a kid innocently asks and Zuko fire blasts him. And when Aang dodges it and runs off, the fire is in slow motion. And then you see the look on Zuko's face. Like, I don't know if I should have done that or not even like questioning, but just like it, he's sorry that it has to be that way. You can see it in his face. Um, mm-hmm. And then Aang really sadly saying to Osaka says, did you make any new friends? And he says, no, I don't think I did. God, yeah. Sad. Tina Fey lifting dialogue from Avatar. For what? what? <laughs> For Mean Girls. Oh. <laughs> I don't recall this. I don't either. Okay. Guess I need to. <laughs> sorry, sorry, every gay man on earth. I need to rewatch Mean Girls. I guess for how whatever that'd be like the twentieth time for me. I'm sure. I know, me too, and I still don't know. What you're yeah, about. you know, we can move past it. <laughs> um, yeah, tragic. I mean, Ang talks about his friend Kuzan. They used to get Ang. Tra- Ang has traveled the world so much in his twelve years before running away. And I get that they're nomads, but it just seems like I don't understand the like what his yearly schedule was like he, had <laughs> he has friends him. everywhere he had a flying bison he could go it like hello and he was and, already a master by the time he was 12 so like what and what, i don't I, think this world is very big yeah i saw a tiktok <laughs> explaining that it was it's like very very small this i whole, mean the yeah. whole world is like the size of the u.s probably based on travel times <laughs> Right, they made it from an Earth Kingdom village to like a Fire Nation island in the spirit, uh, in the yeah spirit world, like two parter, like presumably pretty quickly, like maybe a day. Yeah, flying across an ocean. Right. Um, we ever learn like what the? Oh, I have to sneeze. I'm gonna <laughs> fight it off. If I talk through it, it won't happen. Do we oh, ever no. learn what the blue spirit signifies or like what it is? Um, I've, oh man, this is where my, um, watching again, to speak to how cool I was in middle school to speak, uh, trying to remember details from the audio commentary on these episodes. (laughs) Um, I know they've talked about like what the map, because it is like based on a real like opera mask. Um, I don't remember what kind of character it would signify though. I assume it's supposed to be, um, like a demon or an Oni is what, uh, in Japan, you would call that um, like a sort of demon face, but I'm sure there's like a real significance to like the exact kind of character it's supposed to be. I think that the symbolism is that it's really cool and Zuko is really <laughs> cool. So it just fit perfectly that he would be the blue spirit. Right. That is and I, so true. 
And so I guess to like maybe get into like some like color symbolism, like the idea of like blue being the exact opposite of um, like the Fire Nation's colors, like blue is what we associate with the Water Tribe. So um, it instantly like kind of is catches you off guard or it makes you like uh, look in the other direction because you would think, oh, Fire Nation red and Water Tribe blue. So we aren't naturally thinking of a Fire Nation character being behind that mask. Indeed. Yeah, I didn't know if that ever came up again. I'll, I'll have to check out this audio commentary. Sam and I were big on yeah. the Avatar extras. Yeah. yeah. Little bubbles that came up, but I've never right. heard the audio commentary. Wow, yeah. That's where you... Probably yeah. some more useful information in the audio commentary than the Avatar extras. The Avatar oh, wow. extras were like, Zuko has great style. <laughs> that's just a, I mean, that's factual. That's true. And I feel yeah. enriched knowing that, yeah, <laughs> canonically, he has great style. Yes. Word of God confirmation. Yes. Uh, but yeah, uh, I guess to maybe backtrack a little, a little, I do. Yeah, this is, I think, the scene where Aang and Zuko had that little moment in the forest, I think is probably one of my favorite scenes of the whole show. Like, it's just such a powerful idea of, like, forcing the viewer which is presumably a young child to consider like yeah what would their world be like if they didn't have this conflict going on and questioning like the idea of like envisioning a world where these people's circumstances are different which is kind of i guess like maybe a little like asking a lot of your audience especially like a young audience to consider like but what if the bad guy wasn't the bad guy or what if these circumstances were different would they still be the bad guy um, Especially like given the example of Kuzan, because like well, there's a character here who has lived in a world where he was able to be friends with people from this nation, and so like clearly this conflict has not been around forever and is possible to change. Yeah, I yeah, and I don't think it's too much to ask. I mean, Mewtwo is basically asking us the same thing. Mm-hmm, and, that's like so it's, true. yeah, it's not about the circumstances of one's birth. So I think I think it's a, a good way to prod kids to be like, sometimes people are the way they are because of stuff that just is not in their control. And just mm-hmm. because somebody's different doesn't mean that they're a bad person. It might, you know, especially young people like Zuko, you know, it might not be that they're just evil. Um, right. And that's a, a I think a good way to like digest prejudice for kids. Mm-hmm. And it's like we don't really talk about it, but Zuko is also someone who has a like a visible disfigurement on his face, and like so that's another thing to think about is like challenging kids to question like, do you think he's bad just because he has the scary scar? And like we're learning like no, he's like so much like he's a good person under that, and like he's not a bad person because of his disfigurement, or his disfigurement doesn't I don't know stop him from being someone you sympathize with as an audience. And the- the disfigure, I mean, his scar is the reason why Aang even turns back and, like, saves him in the end of the episode where he could just leave him and, like, Zuko would probably be, like, murdered for treason. Um, but instead, he, like, recognizes that and, like, cares about him, even though he's also hunting him. And so, like, everyone in this episode, I mean, Zuko and Aang are both sort of working against the greater, like, what you would assume their goal of the, like, in the world mm-hmm. is because Zuko is stealing Aang from the Fire Nation and Aang is giving back his like arch enemy or, like life in the, like the world. He would be dead if Aang hadn't rescued him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I love. Yeah. I like that idea of them kind of working against what we think their motivations are. But it makes and that that Aang's job as the Avatar is to restore balance. And so we have a balance give and take here. Zuko saves him and Aang saves Zuko. And so they're sort of like left exactly where they were at the beginning of the episode, but still so much has changed between them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm trying to, I feel like the last time they interacted would have been at, um, I don't know what would it have been. I'm trying to think beyond the like South pole. Has there been a fight between them since then? Yeah. Well, they would have seen each other at Roku's temple. Right. Um, um, and sort of like ran around each other there. I'm blanking on if they've seen each other since then. Oh, they fought each other with the waterbending scroll. That's true, yeah. But that was, like, yeah, very complicated. Like, there's a lot of factors going on where it was, like, more so, like, pirates and Zuko's crew and, like, Aang. So I feel like this is, like, the first time it's just been one-on-one Aang and Zuko kind of interacting with each other and speaking words to each other. Um, So I do, yeah, I like that idea. 
Yeah. This episode was amazing. Uh, Laura, Alita, every time, every episode, Derek and I have ranked all the episodes. Mm. Um, this is easily my new favorite episode. New number one. Nice. Top wow. of the list. Um, this episode is so good and is the brightest spot of book one for me so far. Nice. Um, Glad my instincts were correct when I looked up the whole episode list. Like, I think this is my favorite one. (laughs) Right. Um, Man, yeah, this is kind of a struggle to me. I think the storm is still my probably going to be my uh, golden goose. I'm trying to decide if I my number two right now is Jet. um, And I've talked about at length about like everything I love about that episode. Um, So I maybe I'll put this below Jet and above Southern Air Temple. So now the Blue Spirit is staying at number three for me. So the the season the show is hitting its stride right now though if that's if the storm and this are both in the top three. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I literally just recommended to a person online like if you're not gonna watch every episode, which I think you should, but like if you're just gonna like skip ahead to a certain point, I think the storm is probably the best place to do that where you just suddenly you are given a lot of like backstory for the your two main characters essentially, and then everything after this kind of builds on that knowledge. Mm-hmm. Completely yeah. agreed. Um, I think we can start talking about this episode from a spoiler perspective. Mm-hmm. But before we do that, Lita, we would love to give you a chance to plug anything in case any. I don't really know if people stop listening, but I want to give them a chance to get out of here if they don't want to hear the rest of the show. Yeah, totes. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Lita Grammed and on Lita tweet on, on Twitter at Lita Tweeted. Um, and I do some Survivor Maryland recaps that Sam and Derek are on sometimes with Austin. Um, so just follow like the Survivor Maryland Twitter for that or uh, Austin's Twitter. Um, and I I will probably be on another stream with Taryn soon. I was on one last week, but because I don't want to talk about Big Brother and that's all anybody wants to talk about, I don't know how frequently <laughs> I will be on. Um, but uh, you can follow... Taryn's Twitch stream, and I'm on there sometimes. Uh, Twitch TV. Taryn Armstrong, I think. Um, right. Yeah, so that's what I'm up to. Hmm. Yeah, Lita, you and I could talk about not Big Brother um, for. I would. I would love to talk about not Big Brother. My <laughs> my plan this season is to watch the show and unfollow all the Twitter accounts and not watch the feeds because I've never done that, and then maybe I will actually like the show instead of it consuming my entire life. It seems like a stressful uh, time for everyone when that yes. Is, yes. is what they do. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Will you Damn. still come on and talk about it though? Um, like maybe if it's broken into like episode and feeds. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, we'll see. no reason you know just inquiring well we could talk right after an eviction episode right um, yeah. uh well uh anyway speaking of not big brother uh you can find me at rain Derricks on twitter not talking about big brother probably i even though i like every season i'm like i told sam i was like maybe i'll watch this season and then it just never happens i've heard it before uh <laughs> <laughs> i'm at sam stanish on instagram uh, getting off Twitter has been a wonderful boon of my life, and I'm so happy I've given myself this gift. Um, and I also have another podcast called Word on the Streets where I talk about straight culture uh, with my co-host Joe McMahon, who might, in fact, be moving out of our bunker, which would Whoa. be quite the Whoa. turn of events. Um, but that's where you can find me. Sam, you not tweeting has been a big loss for the community. I agree. Many have told me that, and I am thinking of ways to uh, fix this part of people's life. I've been th- I've been thinking about um, reactivating and just giving people uh, <clears throat> my login so they can pass it around like Tignataro. Uh, but <laughs> no, just give somebody your login and then just text them your tweets. So then you can still give. They'll tweet it for you. So then you can still give the people the content, but you don't have like the poison bird in your head. Yeah. I'm also thinking that I just thought of this in the last five minutes. But what if I just wrote, made a Substack where I just put out my tweets every week <laughs> mm. or just create a newsletter. That's what it sounds like. Oh, well, I like okay. this idea of dictating tweets. Cause then you can have uh, like sign off each tweet with like a uh, hyphen lowercase S to signify that it's oh, Sam yeah, tweeting. Barack Obama. Exactly. Yeah, all... <laughs> and then Great. the rest can be signed from like management. I'm always saying that Sam is the Barack Obama of Twitter. 
I yeah, agreed. <laughs> <laughs> you guys said it, not me. Uh, yeah, okay. So let's talk about this episode a little more from having seen the rest of the show. Um, obviously, this is an amazing episode from every perspective, including this, because this is the first time we see Aang and Zuko could be friends. And he, like, they even become, like, I know that Aang and Sokka are really good friends, but it does seem like Aang and Zuko do become best friends. And, like, so it's just, like, beautiful in that way. Also, like, I've seen some very powerful Zutara uh, images from this episode compared to the Painted Lady episode. She gets dressed up in red. He gets dressed up in blue. It's all very beautiful. Um, so, like, this episode had it all for me. Yeah, I don't see Aang and Sokka ever truly, like, sparring verbally, like, challenging each other on their beliefs, you know, whereas um, Aang and Zuko are more like the two koi fish, whereas uh, Aang and Sokka are like a koi fish and a frozen frog off to the side. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I also wanted to say, now that we're in the spoiler section, um, just Derek, on your point about Zuko's uh, scar, I do think that like that's something that I would be interested to track more um, just because... Uh, like all of the the stuff, like there's multiple times where Katara like almost heals it or thinks about healing it. And I, I'm interested in kind of tracking that and seeing like how the show actually sends a good message here. That's like you, it doesn't need to be fixed. Like mm-hmm. he keeps it even when he's the fire Lord and has all the money and power in the world. Um, he doesn't need to be fixed. It's a part of him and it's not, it's not scary and it's not inherently evil or bad. Yeah. Right. Especially as like a symbol of his trauma and like it, all of it has, like it, it is his trauma, but he becomes okay with it and accepts it and like deals with it and still lives with it as opposed to like, cause I'm sure that he and Katara could go back to the North pole and get more healing water or whatever, but he doesn't because he like, processes it and like has lived and moved past it which is amazing i think it would have been really easy for a kid's show to like beauty and the beast it and be like now that he's a good person his like his bad uh, you know thing is removed his physical self is now more pristine but they are really like uh, past that thinking that actually is what happens in adventure time they, for the first, like, five seasons of the show, uh, foreshadow that Finn will eventually lose his arm. And then in a finale, he does lose it or something. And then, like, four episodes later, he grows it back and he doesn't lose it again. And so, it, but, like, it, like that totally threw me off and I stopped watching it and had to return to the show, like, years later to finish it because I was just like, that was so stupid. Like, <laughs> that, like this this could have been amazing. This could have been really great. And, like, why, like there was no need for this to him to grow back his arm, but... They, yeah. you know, Avatar did it better. Who's shocked? <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like the idea. Yeah. It's like we never see anyone trying to like fix Toph or whatever or yeah. like um, quote unquote fix. Te- like we see we'll see this later when we meet Teo and like at the Western Air Temple where it's like um, it's never about like his dad trying to like figure out a way for Teo to like get his like um, the ability to walk back. It's about like letting Teo have like a freedom um like up in the sky like it's never about like fixing someone it's about like giving like showcasing that people who are not like able-bodied can still do everything we can and maybe even do things we can't like it's beyond like yeah i do appreciate the way this show handles those sort of things and like you said they could do it in maybe a less good way like the way you are describing adventure time where yeah like Zuko's scar just magically disappears or it's healed or whatever when he lets go or whatever but yeah I think yeah everything you guys have said I agree yeah the classic uh expression is like um when somebody can't walk up the stairs they're not the problem the stairs are you have to change the Mm -hmm. stairs not the person and so I feel like Avatar as a show does a good job with being like, of course there are ways that there are disadvantages to being blind or not being able to walk or whatever, but all of the solutions center around changing the environment and the way that they, that other people behave with that person. And obviously I am not disabled, so I'm sure that there are critiques to be made and I definitely encourage Mm. that. I don't want to presume that I think it's like perfect. Um, But I, I had never really thought about Zuko's, uh, scar in that way. So when you talked about it, I wanted to discuss a little bit more in the spoiler section. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, agreed. Uh, 100%. Yeah, and it's like the, like, we see, like, it's, like, Teo and his father have a great relationship, and so we see that that's, like, his father does that, uh, like, invents these sort of, like, air gliders for his son. It's, like, an act of love, and Toph, like, teaches herself uh, to, quote-unquote, see with earthbending, but her parents don't. Like, her parents dismiss her as weak and unable, and it's like, no, like, Toph herself is able to bring, like, do that ability on her own. It's not, it's because she wanted to do it and no one else helped her. Um, and that's just a sign that her parents aren't very good people or aren't good parents because they aren't willing to like, maybe if they were good parents, they could be like, well, maybe there's something we could do like with earthbending, like, but no, it's a a solution she comes up with on her own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good stuff. Very excited to talk more about Toph in the future on this pod. Oh, yes, yeah. me too. Yeah, speaking, like, when you brought up the idea of, like, Zuko and Aang kind of challenging each other, like, that's, to me, Toph, like, kind of represents that for Aang sometimes, too. So and, it makes and me... for Katara. Yeah, I, I agree. It's it's part of what makes me sad about uh, book three uh, in terms of, like, Toph is that, like, she doesn't get to, like, fulfill that potential that her character has, which is she kind of represents everything that gang was kind of missing, which is kind of conflict in a way. I mean, they had conflict before, but not uh, in the way that like Toph introduces like her complete opposition to a lot of their views. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's part of a lot of my problems with book three, which is like, uh, which there were like five more episodes in that book. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was also thinking because um, Joe, who I just talked about, just finished watching the show, rewatching the show. He's seen it a bunch of times, but we were talking and I was just like, yeah, like the one thing that I wish we got more of was Zuko like being a part of the team. Mm-hmm. We, I feel like we get led up to it for a long time, and there are a couple times when it almost happens and then doesn't. But this, like at the end of the show, he's really on before the finale. There's like five or six episodes where he's like their friend, and a lot of those are like one-on-one episodes with Zuko and one of the people in the, in the group. So like, there's no real time to let that sit and sort of let Zuko and Aang like teach each other and learn even in those couple episodes leading up to the very climax. So there is a lot to critique about the very end of the show, Uh, but we'll get there when we get there. And I think that all of the Aang and Zuko stuff leading up to that is really, really well done and it finishes strongly too. Yeah. I just rewatched the show like right before it went on Netflix, um, which has happened to me now with several different shows. Um, But uh, and the, the thing, the most surprising takeaway for me was how late Zuko joins team avatar. Like I, I really thought it was much more of the show. Um, so that's why I think like watching an episode like this, like is so satisfying because you're like, Oh, there was so, there were all of these great moments and like these plants before it happened, because like you do leave the show, like craving more Zuko and team avatar interaction. It's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's tough because it's like you need that moment of Zuko almost getting there in book two at the end of book two and then like pulling back uh, because it's just more true to life in terms of like what you think is your rock bottom isn't really your rock bottom a lot of the time. And for Zuko, um, he needed to learn that lesson of getting everything he wanted uh, and realizing it was hollow instead of like, well, this is be- like just realizing like miraculously on his own like oh that won't matter i don't need to worry about getting that for all like for myself i'll just become good because then for the rest of his life he would be thinking about like well what if i had gone that direction like would my life be better so yeah it makes sense that they have to have that sort of um late shift for him but i yeah i think maybe i don't know it's hard to like rewrite the show but it's like, well, maybe we could cut out a few of like the early episodes of that book. But then, it, then it's like, does it feel earned if we're just suddenly there? Like, but it is re- such a testament to the show. I think that like our critique is like we wanted more of this. Yeah. thing. Like this thing was so good. We wanted more episodes to, yeah. to show it. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, it's, it just speaks to the strength of the characters and the writing that it's like, um, yeah, this show, like, it's not like those things are, th- like, fans are coming up with. It's like, no, the show itself, like, has all that in it. It's just, like, the time wasn't there to do it. I, we love I think Zuko. it also feels like, like, Azuko is maybe joins, or I, I, I under, like, it feels like you remember that there's m- more episodes of Zuko being Team Avatar than there are because there's really not a lot of episodes where Zuko is directly in confrontation with 
right. the gang. Like it, mm-hmm. it feels like that is the beginning of the show. But even going through those episodes, there's only really like, like we were saying, like three episodes where they fought before this, maybe. Um, and then for a, like at the end of book one, he betray, like betrays them and like is uh, goes no man land, and then is like on his own traveling around the Earth Kingdom, and and then like is rebuilding his life with Iroh in Bossing Say. And then there's only a couple episodes in book three and like the very end of book two where he's back being evil again. So there's like a lot more to Zuko than being team Avatar and being like anti-Avatar. There's like so much neutral Zuko, which is a really great Zuko. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Very new. She's giving nooch. Um, No, yeah, it's interesting because there's also like a layer of it. Like we never see Zuko working with like the like the gang's villains. I feel like the only example would be like Combustion Man, and he just hires him, and then we never see him like teaming up with Combustion Man. I prefer um, Sparky Sparky Boom Man, but continue. Right. I was gonna say that. <laughs> um, but it's or I guess Azula is kind of like he teams up with Azula at the end of book two. But it's like for a lot of the time, it's like in that really all hot the- girl and her rhino. Yeah, <laughs> in all that's of book one. Yeah. Oh, that's uh, next episode? Yeah. Wow. Uh, really sneaks up on you. Right. Um, but yeah, it's like for all of book one, Zuko is also opposed to Zhao, and so is the gang. Um, and for uh, a lot of book two, it's like Zuko's out doing his own thing, and there's like moments where he's in conflict with like the Fire Nation itself and Azula, which the gang is also against. Yeah. Now that we're in the spoiler section, I wanted to ask, um, is Zhao our first major on-screen death? Um, yes. I mean, we've seen the bones of, uh, Monkeyatso. Right. But like, but we you haven't seen, seen somebody die. Okay. I right. was just wondering if that, cause that's like what comes to mind as the first one, but, uh, you guys had just rewatched all the episodes more recently than I have. So I was just wondering. Yeah. I'm pretty sure that's the, I mean, if, yeah, we're not counting like off screen or like, yeah. um, random people was, who get pushed off of stuff. I Maybe feel right. like that was pretty major. And as a kid, I don't know if I even like processed that he died. Right. You're so not used to seeing that on children's shows. For sure. And then it's like such a leap forward when you think about Korra and literally watching someone get suffocated with airbending. I do also. I mean, I I feel like the Zhao death is a little unclear and like you don't like see his corpse. Uh, yeah. You right. just and see I mean, him like washed away. And he shows up in the spirit world in Korra like briefly. So it's like, is he, did he really die? Cause it's unclear about like, cause Iroh's there. Presumably he died. He wasn't like sucked into the spirit world or whatever. It's like very unclear what the spirit world really is or how yeah. you get there. Korra, I have not watched since it aired. So I was like a sophomore in college, um, yeah. but I'm waiting for it to come out on Netflix. Um, Next month. So, yeah. So I, I will this be month, caught up on Korra. Uh, very soon, but I don't have the memory of Korra that I do of Avatar. Yeah, it's in it's a book two episode. We see Zuko, uh, Zhao in this like spirit mist or whatever, um, or is that book two? Whatever. He shows up in Korra at some point. Um, I am also not up to date on my Korra memory. I now all of season all seasons are on CBS All Access, so I'm watching it, and I'm in season two, which is notoriously the worst show, worst season of. <laughs> The franchise for sure, but yeah. potentially TV in history. Um, <laughs> and I like I just I keep seeing posts that are like the re like the in defense of Korra, blah blah blah, and they're like season one. They didn't know if they were gonna come back for season two. And every time I read that, I'm like, that is not an excuse to make a bad season of TV. <laughs> right. It it excuses some aspects of the show, but it doesn't excuse why it's not enjoyable to watch. Like you can say like. Oh, the reason that the show feels kind of disconnected from itself in, throughout each season is because they never knew if they were getting another season. That's a fair, I think, rebuttal to that criticism. But that doesn't excuse all the other horrible things in those seasons. This is all to say that you absolutely should watch Legend of Korra in that, like, just because the first two seasons aren't excellent, the final two seasons are so worth it. And it is so, so 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 good. A yeah, point we've made many times on this podcast, but it bears repeating. Okay, as, it comes as I on have Netflix. recommended to our friend of the pod, Matt Gagan, recently, watch the first two seasons of The O.C. and then the last two seasons of Korra, and then you have perf- two, you have four perfect seasons of television. Korra gets good, go. but the O.C. gets bad. So uh, yeah. just do that. <laughs> perfect. Where do you slot in the first season of Veronica Mars, is the real question. I have never seen Veronica Mars. Uh, only watch the first season. Uh, maybe. 
<laughs> it's very great. good. Um, I would Lots also thousands fashion. Which we I, don't have to get into this. I'm never going to finish was. Desperate Housewives because there's 800 episodes. So maybe after that, I'll look for new TV. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair. Uh, so that's our show, I think. What a wonderful episode. It was so perfect and lovely and amazing to me. <laughs> and what a what a blessed day for me to talk to Derek because he just started The Simpsons and I not oh, not, to be, yeah. not to be straight on Maine, but I am a huge Simpsons fan. Um, Dude, and are you a Simpsons simp? Is that what you guys call yourself? <laughs> I hate that so much, uh, <laughs> but I I deeply grew up on The Simpsons um, and still rewatch it uh, a lot of times like revisit my favorite episodes and seasons stuff. So I'm very happy for you that you're doing that. Yeah, if you ever wanted to do a one-off bitter juror Simpsons pod, I am here. <laughs> yes. I would love that. Um, the, f- the feed is open. Yes. I'm 11 episodes into season three, which I was told was the place you need to start. And so far I am really loving it. Um, yeah. It's easy to watch. I also uh, famously think that the Simpsons was good past when most people say it is. Mm, yeah, the the rumblings I'm getting are three through nine are what I should watch. But you're you're I give it up to twelve. Honestly, I'm gonna give a hot Same. take so that all the people tweet at me. Um, and it's still, oh, it's still... I forgot to look at the Google form. We... <laughs> oh, see, this is why it's good that we just kept chatting. Um, yes, but. Yeah, I I think that it also has amazing odd episodes like way past that. Like I think it has some random great episodes in the high teens and early twenties. Um, mm. It's just not right, as right. worth sitting through all of the season, all of I the episodes. I have to reach out to you and get those episodes from you. Then I'll do a Clone Wars thing I did, which was just tracking the uh, story of Ahsoka, which cut out like two thirds of the episodes. Ah, uh, but uh, Kevin just watched the Clone Wars. Um, we stand the Clone Wars. It's one of one of the few TV shows that's good that's based on a movie. Mm-hmm. I can't even think of another one. Jimmy Newton. Buffy the Vampire Slayer is the best answer to this and question. Oh. Well, we've talked. We talked. I'm. I'm. We. Laura and I talked about this a couple of days ago, so I had time to think about it. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't just come up with that on stuff. Yeah. I've heard the <laughs> screen Friday show. It's Friday Night Lights. Good. Jimmy Neutron and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. Makes sense. Uh, in our mailbox, we got one message from Bitter Jew D. Great name. Oh, that's uh, great. Yeah. Uh, they said, I have not pre-read this. Momo was the real star of the episode. Loved the shot from his perspective when Katara was talking to him. I don't. I didn't really enjoy the A-plot as much on the rewatch. It was entertaining, but a lot of the plot points felt a little too convenient. Like Aang leaving his glider behind and Zuko knowing the layout of the of the Fire Nation outpost. Also, Zhao taunting a 12-year-old over the genocide of his people was so gross. Like, what the fuck? Uh, T. Well, Zhao is known for being very moral, so <laughs> I can't believe he would cross that line. The literal fascist dictator. We have, like, some real Nazi imagery in this episode when he's talking to that crowd and says the superior element. Right. Yeah, for sure. I always forget just how, like, I don't want to say on the nose, but it's like very directly like parallels to fascism. And we even get that in Korra later when Kuvira is round, literally rounding up um, fire and waterbenders from the earth kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But I guess to answer the (laughs) more of a statement than a question, I guess, but agreed. Momo has a great episode here. Um, we get a great shot of uh, Katara in a crown, which you always love. Um, really speaking for the fan base. Yes, a queen. Yes. <laughs> um, but like to I like I mean obviously I disagree because I just said so many <laughs> things that I appreciate about the mm, episode. Right. Yeah. Um, and like it's like convenient. I guess it's convenient that Aang doesn't bring his staff, but like how much would that have really changed? I don't really understand that point. Um, I like. I don't I don't know what the I guess the include the idea is like he would have been able to escape if he had his glider but it's like if he couldn't escape with just airbending I don't Yeah. Um <laughs> and then like I think that while Zuko knew the out like the layout of the outpost he we saw him in an earlier part of the episode like sneaking around and like being there prior to his like break in to get ang. So like I think that's like it makes sense i don't think it's like too convenient for me anyway oh wait yeah. there was one more thing i wanted to say once we're in the spoiler section but Derek, if you want to finish on on this comment uh do that and then i'll get to my last point well i was just gonna agree with sammy i think i don't think convenient is really the right word i don't know um that i don't know 
I think it's easy. Like you could claim, oh yeah, it's convenient that he left his glider, but it's like, I don't know. Like for the story they were telling, I, it makes sense that you would have him lead his glider there. And they explain an episode why he does it. So I, I don't know. I don't hold there that was against a storm. Him. Right. I think, yeah, it was the whole last episode title. Maybe I'm just like feeling, um, it's like bringing back, I like trying to defend uh, the last of us part two against quote unquote plot holes, which are actually plot holes. That's how it feels <laughs> hearing that. Like, no, it's just uh, writing. They just wrote an episode <laughs> of television to create drama <laughs> in a certain way. Yeah. Um, yeah. So my last comment was going to be, um, it's funny, like seeing Zuko's incredible sword skills here it just sort of makes Sokka look less impressive. It's like uh, Zuko had time to master firebending and this, and it also made me want like a scene where Sokka and Zuko are sword bros later on. Mm. I want that I scene what you too. Mean. <laughs> where they're just yeah, cr- crossing swords. swords. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I think we all, I, I mean, I sheathing swords. Yeah, oh. one one of my other major takeaways from the rewatch is that in in my older age, uh, I have become much more attracted to Sokka. So I don't know what that says about me, but does he have uh, taste? Yeah, <laughs> that was he was never a, a crush that I had paled in comparison to Zuko. But now I have room in my heart for both of them. Mm. Wow, that oh. is the future liberals want. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I, yeah, a triad with Sokka and Zuko. Uh, that's, uh, that's about it for the show. Lita, remind yeah. people where they could find you. Uh, on Twitter, at Lita tweeted. On Instagram, at Lita Grand. Um, and uh, I don't know. I guess when this comes out, maybe I'll tweet my Pokemon trainer code. Um, you should add me on Pokemon Go. I'm very active, and I'm pretty good about sending gifts. Nice. Um, I'm Rain Derricks on Twitter. I don't have Pokemon Go. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm at Sam Stanish on Instagram and at Word on the Straits straight spelled str8s on instagram and twitter thank you guys so much for having me this was an absolute dream of course i mean before we started recording lita called her a couple episodes that uh she definitely wanted to be on for so we will i mean we're planning to have you back before the end of season one so that's exciting Mm -hmm. and uh you'll definitely see you again before the end of the show wait before the end of season one yeah, you said, I mean, I have text messages saying you wanted to be on again in another episode, so I was planning for that. Oh, okay. Perfect. I didn't know if I had already claimed an episode. You've claimed uh, three specific episodes in the rest of the show, and one of them is in season one. Okay, wow. perfect. I, I know my book two and three episodes. I don't remember what the other one was, but I have a guess because I know myself. Wow. <laughs> Love that. Uh, yeah, thank you for joining us, Lita. And thank you, Bitter Judy, for sending in uh, that question. And thank you, me, for remembering it at the 11th hour. <laughs> mm-hmm. And thank you, me and Lita, for talking about The Simpsons, which, for whatever reason, jogged your memory. <laughs> Bitter Judy. Yeah. There is yeah. no Google form in Bossing Say. Yes. <laughs> That's my mind constantly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye. Bye.